Hi, I'm Devin Moore, your host for Humanity Rising's Race to Speak Up podcast and founder of Hashtag Race to Speak Up, an anti-bullying organization. The Race to Speak Up podcast is a place where we have open and engaging conversations about bullying prevention, how to be upstanders, and how we are making a positive change in our communities. So the question now is, how do you race to speak up? Hello and welcome to the Race to Speak Up podcast. I'm your host, Devin Moore. I'm very excited about today's guest. His name is Dr. William H. Smitty Smith. Dr. Smitty is the founding executive director of the National Center for Race Amity. Dr. Smitty is a mediator of dreams. Race Amity develops forums and initiatives to advance cross-racial and cross-cultural amity that impact the public discourse on race. Dr. Smitty is an award-winning documentary filmmaker and educator. He uses the fantastical medium of television to mine underrepresented narratives centered on racial justice and reconciliation. I met Dr. Smitty through Humanity Rising's founder, Debbie Feruzzi. Smitty then served me a great honor by inviting me to be a guest speaker for the Race Amity National Conference, both in 2020 and in 2021. Welcome, Dr. Smitty. How are you? I'm well, and so happy to be here with you this afternoon. Awesome. I'm happy to be with you, too. Now, as the founding executive director, how did your journey begin with Race Amity? Well, my journey uh, with Race Amity uh, goes back decades, uh, but uh, the the uh, my interest—it's a part of actually my belief, uh, my spiritual beliefs—and uh, uh, I'm a member of the Baha'i faith, and the central tenet of that faith or central teaching is the unity and oneness of the human family. So, as a part of the uh, theology, we are driven to try and pursue that. So my interest uh, spiritually uh, is the unity and oneness of the human family. And uh, what I've tried to do is uh, align my life (laughs) with that belief, uh, though not always easy to do. Uh, but, uh, so that, that has, that's the course that I'm on. Uh, and so everything that I have tried to do, uh, in my life, uh, as the question reoccurs, you know, where is the unity and oneness of the human family found in whatever it is that I'm doing? Uh, how can I affect that, uh, in the work and the activities? Uh, that I'm engaged in. So that's put me on that path. Uh, Amity uh, is uh, really a practical and sensible way of approaching dealing with uniting people and bridging the divide that exists culturally and racially among people. Friendship, uh, which is one of the most important values, uh, I should say aspects 
of human relationships. After family, the next most important thing are friends. And that's who you treasure, value, uh, and want to be a part of. So that's the work that we do, is to promote friendship uh, among people. That's our, that's where our energy goes. Okay, well, I know that when it comes to, in relation to what you're saying, when it comes to one of my messages, is that we are all a part of one race, which is the human race. In fact, that's one of the definitions of race to speak up, that we are all a part of one race, which is the human race. And the other definition is we need to hurry up and speak up about our hate experiences. But of course, going back to unity, um, I know that when it comes to, in fact, some of your past national conferences for race amity, they deal heavily with unity and heavily with, well, that it is race amity. Um, I know that I was a part of the actualizing e pluribus unum through race amity and the other tradition. Why don't you tell us about that? Because we had a lot, I know that race amity has um, quite a few past um, conferences, but why don't we start off with that one? Yeah, well, actualizing uh, race amity through pursuing e pluribus unum, it's, it's really interesting that, uh, and, and actually, Devin, it's, it's a blessing that we don't think in terms of uh, that the uh, motto, if you will, uh, for this nation is e pluribus unum, of many, one, which speaks to human unity. And um, we are on the path of how do we actualize that? What, what things can we do uh, to pursue uh, this development uh, and realization uh, that we're one people, that we, as you say, are one human family? Or said in other ways, uh, we say that the, or we use the quote, uh, the earth is one country uh, and mankind its citizens uh, and, and trying uh, to per pursue that. Uh, but the getting our arms around that, first of all, uh, is to, uh, we need to have a point of reference. And that's interesting to the approach and the work that we do. Uh, at the National Center for Race Amity. Uh, and that is, <clears throat> we try and examine and expose a very underexposed quality uh, in American society and in American history. Uh, I know you're a student of history uh, and that you like history uh, and uh, you perhaps as so many other people uh, who pursue history, uh, who are interested in the chronicling of the development of our nation and the things that have happened in this country as well as in the world. Um, we often, with regard to race, the history of race, we spend a tremendous amount of time and as we should in some instances, studying all of the things that have developed historically 
to impact race relations. Uh, and overwhelmingly, that study and discussion centers on the horrors of racism and the tradition of oppression that is woven throughout our nation's history. Uh, we're all well versed in this ugly uh, history of oppression and inequality uh, that has taken root and been practiced uh, in the development of this nation. What we are very much not familiar with and what is so important to our existence as a national community. Uh, and in fact, it's so important to the fact that you and I are having this conversation right now uh, is that in our history, there has always been a parallel, a parallel counterweight, a moral counterweight to racism. That is, in our nation, there's always been present a moral pushback to racism, this counterweight. And this counterweight, this moral pushback has been formulated uh, by groups of people, sometimes small, sometimes starting small, but growing into real large uh, movements uh, of people coming together in friendship, in loving cross-racial and cross-cultural friendships to push back and make change. It's always existed in our nation, but we pay very little attention to it. And it actually uh, doesn't allow us to be familiar with something that's so important to us uh, as Americans. Uh, that is a strength that we're totally unfamiliar with. Uh, so we spend our time examining these moral, this moral counterweight that's always existed. Uh, the abolitionists, pre-abolitionist movements where people came together and we tell those stories uh, so that people uh, can actually know this history because we're ignorant of it. Uh, and the we do films about it uh, because we find that as a powerful medium for sharing information, obviously over large groups of people. We start the five part uh, series, five half hours, American stories, race amity, and the other tradition. Uh, but we start to tell those stories so that people, uh, our community, our national community, that people realize that this is just not something that we're dreaming up or creating this whole idea that, oh, that were these things that were happening 
we, we document them and see what the impact has been on our society. So in a nutshell, this work, we try and demonstrate and get people to feel good about uh, who we are in terms of our positive quality uh, qualities uh, as Americans uh, that we look at the embrace of what we call the other tradition that's in our society. And these friendships powered everything again from abolitionism, pre-abolitionism, up through the modern day civil rights movement up to present day Black Lives Matter. Uh, you look at these communities, and what do you find? Often you find, of course, the leadership in many instances uh, emanating from within the community of people of African descent, but coalescing with their European brothers and sisters who are right there, shoulder to shoulder, uh, on the front line, promoting and engaging in pushing for change. Uh, so I'm gonna stop there and take a breath. I, I can go on and on, but uh, World Channel is on 365 PBS stations around the nation. So I'm sure there's one uh, that's uh, ET. No, ETA is not your, uh, that's in DC. Uh, the World Channel affiliated with the PBS station out of New York City. I'm sure that service is out to Long Island uh, where you are. So I'll okay. stop. <laughs> no, you're giving such great information. I'm just listening. Okay, Dr. Smitty, what's the importance of knowing one's history? Well, the importance of knowing history and knowing our particular history, uh, cultural histories and so forth. Um, if we don't know who we are, one, we are bereft of knowledge of what we've overcome which is a powerful, powerful psychological incentive uh, to who we are and what, what we do uh, and how we act. Uh, it's also important to the knowledge of our history and our, I'm saying in this particular case, talking about uh, if we do a narrow focus on the history of people of African descent uh, in this country, uh, in America. Uh, it's uh, uplifting, uh, it's strengthening, uh, it gives hope. I mean, there are oft times, Devin, you know, when I think about the history um, of my ancestors uh, and my immediate ancestors, I mean, my great, great grandfather, for example, you know, we talk about all the horrors of uh, things that are perpetrated against people of African descent today, you know, brutality, uh, both direct as well as 
guileful policy making and other things to, to suppress rights, all those things. Uh, and I look back uh, and I look at my great-great-grandfather in the time in which he lived uh, that who would imagine, who would imagine uh, the things that in his day, what could be possible a short hundred years from then? Uh, and I'm encouraged by the strength of character of those group, that group of people to have a forward optimistic look toward change uh, and pursuing it. Uh, and I think one of the ways uh, that that thought is demonstrated just so powerfully or has been to me has been, um, I did a, a film, uh, PBS film, The Invisible Soldiers, Unheard Voices, which is the documentary on African-Americans who served in World War II, uh, the greatest conflict and most world-shaping conflict, uh, period, uh, in the world's history. And in that film, there, we interviewed so many uh, African-Americans, men and women who served in that war. And the treatment that they received being a part of the military uh, and just the incredible prejudices that uh, they endured just to serve, just to fight against Nazism uh, and so forth. And one of the questions, Devin, that, that I would ask these soldiers, these old veterans of World War II, because they talk about how they were treated, man, in places like in Louisiana, uh, they were confined to barracks and their jobs principally, uh, along with their basic training stuff, they had to clean the latrines of the white soldiers. I mean, that's just gut-wrenching and disgusting. And you say, and say, well, damn, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And almost in every instance, when we ask the question of why would you take this abuse to serve this country and when people were treating you in such a manner and almost inevitably the answer, not verbatim, but came under this umbrella, they would say, because we wanna make it better for somebody else. We wanna make it better for future generations. We feel this sacrifice will advance the opportunities of others. So the courage and the sacrifice to be humiliated and doing all these things so that it, we can make it better for somebody else. Uh, knowing that history, knowing, you know, 
that these people uh, served under such circumstances is inspiring. Uh, so that's one of the reasons. Another reason is that knowing one's history as individuals or as a community uh, is empowering. Uh, so anyway. Okay. No, I completely get what you're talking about. And that leads me to my next question. So Dr. Smith, you are a very knowledgeable man. Do you think that if these many, so, oh, you know what, let me rephrase it. So when it comes to many of these systems in history, they're unfortunately built off of racism. And what I mean by that is when it comes to school, jobs, even housing, um, healthcare, police, like so many different systems are built off of racism and segregation. So if these systems in history and, and also going off of that, it trickles into modern day society and you can see it. But if these systems in history weren't built off of that racism, that discrimination, that segregation, if it weren't built off of that, do you think that there would be a lot more unity in the world? Uh, absolutely. Uh, there's a quotation that so powerful is the light of unity that it can illuminate the whole earth. Uh, and here in this country, uh, because of the uh, severity of the oppression uh, and the division that racist practices have created in this nation, uh, if we are able, and we are becoming able to heal these wounds and bridges divide, and we still have a long way to go, but we have, without any doubt, uh, made significant headway uh, in this, in this uh, work and in this uh, fight uh, that it gives hope to others in the world. Uh, despite all the stuff that go, that's gone on, where do people flee? We still are a beacon. We, meaning this nation, is a beacon of hope to the oppressed, uh, the uh, despised, the dispossessed uh, around the world. Secondly, and as important is that as this nation has changed and is changing, it brings with it this uh, power to impact the world, well, the nation and the world. And one of the, one of the huge uh, points of disconnect, I think, from my point of view in American society, is the threat to the quickly diminishing majority, cultural majority in the country. That is, uh, we all know that there's a shift from this being a Euro-dominated uh, society and culture that it's rapidly moving in the other direction. And for those people from that community, uh, from the Euro 
uh, American community who embrace these racist ideas and these tendencies and thoughts of superiority, this is totally threatening. I mean, it's to it means basically what it's saying is that the end of this dominance is quickly approaching and they are petrified. The system of racist thought is in death convulsions. And by that, I mean, um, I sadly, I've, I've seen a lot of people die, literally. Uh, I was a platoon medic in the first infantry in Vietnam. Uh, I've seen a lot of people die. Uh, and I've seen people die in other instances um, that I need not go, I won't go into, but um, there is a thing about death that's true. People go into death convulsions, they convulse, they are struggling to stay alive even when they're dying. I mean, their, their physical body is actually convulses. It's, it's his struggle. Oh no, I don't want to go. And they're acting out and their chests are heaving and they're shaking and, uh, in, in many instances. And racism uh, is in its death throes. People are convulsing. It's coming and they're, the, oh God, they're fighting, they're struggling. They're doing crazy stuff to try and survive. Uh, and, and, and not come victim to this racism. Uh, and in some instances, and from my opinion, that's why people are doing all these insane things uh, to protect. You say, how the hell could they come up with doing this or thinking this? Yeah. It's just bizarre, bizarre thinking and behavior, because it's a part of the convulsion. But you, they can't, the tide cannot be turned back. Uh, and it's happening. Uh, and it will continue to happen. And the thing is that as we move forward with these changes in the society, that we must embrace uh, equity and love in our hearts in uh, which I think the movements toward access and equity are not a vengeful movement at all. Nobody's talking about revenge, <laughs> about any past, anything. What people are centering on is access, equity, a way forward and a way of inclusion. I see what you mean. I think that, and this is going back to um, something you had mentioned earlier, it like more so dealing with diversity. I know that when it comes to my generation or Gen Z, we, a lot of us seem to do things outside of the norm, which I am all for. And I think that's great. But some things that I think the older generation may not realize is that we, they still do have an influence on us. And so when it comes to certain um, 
ideas or certain things that were put into their society, I think that that still trickles down into our generation. And we seem to have a lot of these different um, like thoughts and different beliefs because of our like, or because of those in the older generation, like teaching us that or influencing us on that. And when it comes to diversity, I think that if the older generation had that and they started from like generations and generations ago, if we, if they had that um, diversity and had that unity, I think, and I truly believe this, that there would be a lot more diversity now in many places. I mean, you go into certain places and you see, oh, it's just white or, oh, it's just black or, oh, it's just whatever. I think that it's fine to see people who look like you, but if it's like dominating one place, there's not that sense of diversity. There's not that sense of, oh, there's people outside in this world that don't look like you. And I know that earlier you had mentioned, and this is something that I like that you mentioned, because now I'm going to be thinking about this and now I'm going to use this when I'm talking to other people. The world is one country and humankind, or it's humankind and citizens. citizens. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people seem to overlook because segregation and because division, especially through um, racism, has been put into a lot of people's heads. I think that that's the main reason why a lot of us overlook that. But I'm glad that we have people like you and people like me who are working to show others that we can unite. And especially when it comes to race family, we can unite, whether it be through like cross-racial and cross-cultural friendships. I mean, that's directly in the definition. I think that's something that a lot of people need to truly not overlook, <laughs> take mm-hmm. that back and realize, or for the older generation, and I'm not only talking about them, but I'm just like, in this instance, I am. For the older generation, take a step back and realize that we need to teach our youth or their youth that diversity and unity is something that needs to be brought into their lives. I mean, I know in my instance, I, um, or in my case, when I was in middle school, I went to a predominantly white school and I did not really see many people that looked like me. In fact, and most of my like just grades being there, it was about three black people, including me. So three black people. And I wasn't, they was, that was my bubble. Like just being in this school with a bunch of like people who didn't look like me. So I didn't know how to go outside of that and find friends outside of like that type of space. And so as time went by and now I'm in high school, I'm in a very diverse high school, which I'm very happy about. And I'm very glad my family found that and put me into that school. But it just makes me realize that diversity is very important to learn about other people and about other, like what are other people going through? So that's just one point I really would like to make because it's very much a real, like what you're saying is all facts racism unfortunately is a real thing but when it comes to cross-cultural and cross-racial friendships that's something that can help to unite that helps to unite us and also when it goes back going back to how you started um your race amity journey you said that you started dealing with the baha'i faith and so um i mean how did you learn about the baha'i faith like how did you get into that how did you get into the baha'i faith (laughs) yeah uh, so it's a, 
the, the quick version is, uh, I first heard of Baha'i when I was like a, a little boy. Uh, and I went to a, a all black church in South Carolina. And once a month, a white lady would come to our church um, one Sunday a month and she'd stand up, she'd come to the Sunday service and she'd stand up and she'd say her name, uh, which was a part of the church tradition. And she says, my name is Junie Faley and I'm a member of the Baha'i faith. And we believe in the oneness and unity of the human family. So I came to worship with you today. And so this was crazy. I mean, here's this little white lady. In fact, she comes so regularly. My brothers and sisters and I, we call it White Lady Sunday when she'd show up. So that's when I first heard about it. And then later on, uh, as I was a teenager, actually your age, uh, and a friend of mine became a Baha'i and joined the Baha'i faith and invited me to go to this Baha'i meeting, uh, which I reluctantly went to. And I go to this meeting and there's this little lady there, uh, the same little lady who would, when I was a kid. And uh, it was the first time literally in my life I had been in an integrated uh, setting. We, this meeting was held at someone's home in, the, uh, in South Carolina. And it was an integrated uh, gathering in this living room. And I looked around and I saw these white people and white people sitting there together. And it was like crazy. And I happened to see one of my grandmother's best friends who went to our church, she was there. And so that gave me a feeling of relief. I said, Phew, boy, Miss Heard is here. It must be okay. You know, it's not, it's not a bad place. And uh, so that demonstration of this belief in this practice um, fed my interest in finding out more about what is this about uh, and to investigate Baha'i. And uh, I investigated the claims of Baha'i uh, and particularly centering on the central principle, uh, the oneness and unity of the human family uh, and the uh, unification of the world, people, the people of the world. Uh, and so that led to my enrolling or becoming a Baha'i when I was in high school, actually. So that's a, that's a quick story of it. Yeah. No, that's interesting because yeah. I know that um, I just, I found out about the Baha'i faith while I was in high school because, you know, I've met people through Humanity Rising. I have learned about people even through race amity. So when it comes to like these different platforms and when I actually got started with my race to speak up journey, that's when I started finding people who deal with Baha'i and their beliefs are something that I believe in, which 
is why like I'm more so into the Baha'i faith. I mean, I'm Catholic, but I'm more into Baha'i faith and their beliefs. So that's just something I wanted to say about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just something I've um, also kind of really learned about in high school. Um, well, continue to investigate it. It's, it's an extraordinary, you'll, you'll find and, and, and it, you'll find it very interesting. So, so, so the, the, the key, the, the basic, a basic principle of Baha'i is the independent investigation of truth that we should see through our own eyes and not to the eyes of others so that we should discover for ourselves, not through our pastors or our parents or our sisters our brothers, uh, but that we should know with our own mind and with our own hearts. So, you know, I would suggest investigate because uh, it is a fascinating, I mean, the things that are presented in terms of creating um, a world community uh, where these beliefs of the idea, the equality of men and women uh, that religion is basically, there's one religion and there's religion of God in that all the messengers of God who've come to humanity are valid and are the same in spirit, though just like the sun in the heaven, we say Monday, but the same sun shines on Tuesday uh, and the same sun shines on Wednesday different name, same son. And that's very much like the messengers of God who have appeared to humanity throughout our existence. Uh, the power in them is the same, but it's manifest in different ways given the time in which they come. So yeah, investigate. That's-, that's yeah, I definitely good. will. I definitely will. I am yeah. very- interested and I know that I mean I think I'll I guess I I guess you could say I'm like starting on my Baha'i faith because I'm learning a lot about it but um yeah okay now <laughs> Dr. Smitty um this is kind of jumping around a bit but I want to go back to something and ask you a, a another question so Dr. Smitty have you ever been bullied or dealt with racism um uh, why don't you share with us uh well yeah, I've been bullied. I mean, when I was a kid, uh, there were lots of bullies. Uh, <laughs> well, I tell stories now and they're, I, they're with humor, but they're frightening. I mean, we had this one bully in my community, though more than one, but this particular bully, Bebe, Bebe the Terrible. <laughs> this guy was terrible and he was a psychopath really I mean you'd be standing there talking and he just walk up and hit you in the face <laughs> you know just because he felt like it you know yeah, okay. uh, or he'd take your stuff you know uh, or he'd say if you sit in there eating a bag of chips, <laughs> he'd say, 
I know you want to share those chips. <laughs> and you give him your bag of chips. <laughs> I mean, because of, you know, if you didn't, you know, you were probably in for a, for being punched out or whatever. Uh, so there were, there were, there were, I experienced a lot of bullies and quite frankly, my coping mechanism was to dodge whenever I knew Bebe was in the, in the area. I would definitely not go around or join that conversation or, you know, be a part of that. Um, so that kind of physical bullying didn't have so much psychological bullying, which is a terrible way of being bullied as well. Uh, people uh, psychologically uh, bullying you and through put downs and, you know, putting you, uh, putting a person uh, in a position of scorn or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I experienced bullying uh, and then uh, was able to move away from it uh, by being fortunately in a in circles where uh, people liked me, which is because I was an athlete and stopped so I didn't get a lot of harassment uh, in that way. But yeah, uh, racism, of course, uh, being just a young black boy, uh, experienced racism growing up uh, and even beyond growing up. I mean, even as, as an adult uh, and, but not taking that monkey on my back. Uh, in other words, trying to look at it from the point of view is that's that person's problem. Uh, and I'm not going to uh, wallow in uh, being the victim of that. I'm going to keep doing what I got to do. Uh, so, yeah, um, have experience in both of those things. Uh, in my life. I see what you mean. I, well, when it comes to the bullying and your bully just doing some random, more so kind of crazy acts of rudeness, I am sorry to hear that. And as far as the actual racism that you went through, I'm sorry to hear that as well. I know that when it comes to bull, I mean, well, yeah, when it comes to bullying, but me, my experience also as a Black person, especially in America, I have, well, I went through some racist cyberbullying. So I know that it, I guess the more so basic way to describe it is a punch to your gut or just, it's nothing good. It's nothing good. It doesn't feel good. It's not something you will actually want to be like, have it a part of your day. But even through that, we still have people, again, like you, who, when it comes to race amity, are working to create a safe space or let people know that they can also create a safe space. But 
Race Amity is a place that not only educates you about cross-cultural and cross-racial friendships, but it also allows for you to hear from others who are working to create a more unified and in all in all in all just more peaceful world. I am very much happy that I am very glad that I was a part of um, the race conference, the race amity conference, both in again 2021 and 2020. I remember when I got that. This is just going off of like a, just a quick little story that I'm gonna tell you. So <laughs> um when Michelle called me, she was like, Devin, hi, do you want to um, be on the Race Amity again? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, she was like, I, she, I picked up the phone. I was like, hi, Michelle. And she was like, hi, Devin, how are you? Um, so Race Amity is going to happen this year again. Do you want to be a part of it? And then she asked me about the student panel as well. And then just having my own thing. And that worked also better because I um, was able to do that with um. The, um, as far as like having my own thing or having my own session, I did it with two other Humanity Rising ambassadors, Faith and Evelyn, who it was just a great conversation. I noticed with, um, well, I mean, just in general, when it comes to race amity, it was a great place to just like be comfortable in talking about not only racism, but just talking about, you know, friendships and like, how can we, you know, unite i mean the main word that we both keep saying is unity and then we also bring up diversity and of course like racial friendship or cross-racial friendships so i just want to say thank you as far as that like when it comes to race amity i'm very happy that i to be a part of that well we we, we thank you Devin, and and i mean that sincerely because what we're doing my generation we're, we're scrambling and trying not to panic. We're looking for our replacement, and that's you. I'm serious. We're, we're looking for our replacement. And uh, so we're so happy. We're just delight when we find young people who have the energy, the creativity, uh, and the interest uh, in engaging in this work. And uh, at some point, maybe a few months from now, when you get another spot, I wanna have the opportunity hopefully to come back on and talk particularly about a project that is directly tailored toward your age group uh, from uh, actually junior high through college, but a world changing activity that uh, where there's an opportunity to really make a footprint uh, internationally uh, in terms of race, race relations, unity and amity and which provides a forum for people literally to come together with different background interests, but with a common theme. So I'm tantalizing by throwing that out there in later in a few months. Yeah, of course, 100%. Uh, let, let me know, we'll, we'll come back and talk about Definitely. Uh, that particular uh, project and program. Uh, and I think you'll find it interesting and your listeners 
uh, and view as well uh, as well definitely what has been the most rewarding part of your journey um the most rewarding part of this work has been to see it gain momentum and to see people from across the board, different races, gender, sexual orientation, presence, everything coalesce and be stimulated and become hopeful about the opportunity uh, for us to be one human family and to move forward to establish access and equity. That's been rewarding. And I have seen really a tremendous trajectory uh, of this uh, as more and more people see amity as a means of bridging the divide as opposed to strictly blame grievance and rejection so that's that's what i found most rewarding and find rewarding well thank you so much for sharing with us dr smitty the work you're doing is educational and it's motivating um, I also want to thank everyone who's listening. I hope to see you guys at future Race to Speak Up podcast. If you have any questions about the Race to Speak Up podcast, feel free to contact me at race to speak up at gmail.com. Make sure to follow at Race to Speak Up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on future podcasts. Join the Humanity Rising movement. We are a student-led movement to create a better world through service. There are many ways to participate and you will be eligible for service learning hours and scholarship opportunities. Visit www.humanityrising.org for more information. And remember to ask yourself this question, how do you raise to speak up?